I would say it's a huge bonus to be back in the Olympics. I mean, that's obviously very helpful for us. And I think as you go through our strategic plan, we are going to explore what a, uh, an under 23 team may look like and explore what an under 15 national team looks like. Welcome to episode 259 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It might be winter outside, but we've had no shortage of news to keep us dreaming about the spring, summer, and fall baseball seasons. So let's kick things off this week with a return of our news headline segment. Before we get to this week's guest, we begin with some academy news. In case you missed it, the Medicine Hat Mavericks are partnering up with the Prairie Rose School Division to create the Mavericks School of Baseball. The program is being built for kids in grades 4 through 9 and will be available at different schools throughout the rural division around southeastern Alberta. Head to our website to read the story from James Tubb of the Medicine Hat News, and thanks to James for letting us share his story with us. Coming this fall as well, the Central Alberta Sox Academy will launch a high-performance program through the Dome in Red Deer. Program Director Harold Northcott will head up the nine-month program for students in the Central Alberta region looking to play college or professional baseball. Congratulations to Lethbridge's Torn Vasilenik as he's heading to the Welland Jackfish. The 2023 WCBL All-Star is coming off a great year with the Lethbridge Bulls, where he hit 288 with 12 home runs, 35 RBI, and 13 stolen bases in 50 games. Speaking of the WCBL, plenty of announcements are starting to roll in about commitments for the upcoming summer season. The Okotoks Dogs, Medicine Hat Mavericks, and Fort McMurray Giants are among the teams posting on social already, and I suspect we'll be seeing much of the same from other teams in the weeks ahead. A couple of big events are coming up that we'll be keeping tabs on. The Blue Jays Academy National Coaches Clinic is slated for this weekend at Web Academy, and it'll feature last week's podcast guest Ernie Witt, as well as Pat Borders, Devon White, Ashley Stevenson, Chris Ritzma, and Buck Martinez. We plan to be in attendance, and we'll bring you some of those conversations in future episodes. And the Foothills Minor Baseball Association and Baseball Alberta are partnering up for the Girls Regional Super Clinic February 10th and 11th. That'll be held at the Cavalry FC Regional Fieldhouse in Alderside. It's also that time of year for fundraising banquets. Prairie Baseball Academy is holding its annual event February 3rd, which will include the inductions of Rob Greeno and Rob Watt into its Hall of Fame. The Vauxhall Academy of Baseball is holding its dinner awards and auction March 2nd with guest speaker Andrew Albers, and Neutral Hills Academy will have its event March 28th featuring former Blue Jays outfielder Vernon Wells. If you have an event you'd like us to shout out, drop us a line at albertadugoutstories at gmail.com. And finally, our hearts go out to all of those who knew, loved, and worked with veteran Edmonton sports journalists John Short and Robin Brownlee. Both were well-known as writers and broadcasters who provided coverage of all kinds of sports, including baseball in the Capital Region. Both passed away last Thursday. Short was 86, Brownlee was 65. May both rest in peace. On to this week's guest, and Jason Dixon has a lot of work ahead of him as CEO of Baseball Canada. The organization set out its mission with a new 2023-2028 to strategic plan with three key pillars, growth, development and performance, and organizational excellence. There's a lot to digest when you factor in athletes, coaches, officials, facilities, associations, hosting events, the national teams, marketing and communications, and more. But a few points did stand out to me as I read through the document a few times, leading to this great conversation about where baseball is at in Canada heading into 2024 and beyond. We also had some fun near the end of this, talking about his playing days, including with the Edmonton Trappers. This is Baseball Canada CEO Jason Dixon on Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Jason, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me. 
Well, there's a lot to get to as it was a busy 2023. So as you take that deep breath, I know you've been really, really busy lately and and all year, frankly. But look, looking back at it with 2020 hindsight, how are you going to remember the year? You know, it was, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're still feeling kind of the effects of COVID and coming out. And as you know, sports kind of rebound. Um, you know, I think it was a lot busier than than we all anticipated, right? Like coming out of it, we thought, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, we're starting to get back on track. But, uh, you know, coming out of it, it's still really busy. You know, baseball's growing. There's a lot of interest, a lot of things going on. So busy's good in our world, right? We, we obviously be, we much rather be busy than not. Um, but, you know, I, it, it was pretty busy. And I think our provincial memberships, you know, our PSOs, all our organizations felt the same way even right down to the association. So busy is a good thing, but it was it was definitely a busy year for us. In your eyes, looking back at it, what were some of the big successes in, uh, across the country? Was there anything that really stands out for you? Well, you know what? I think from a national perspective, there's a couple things and, and one, you know, we're going to get get into today. But, you know, for us uh, wrapping up a strap plan that we've been working on for a, for a period of time and finally you know, getting that approved by by the board and, and looking forward to getting that moving, uh, which was that was fantastic for us. Um, you know, we hosted a, a stage two qualifier in Thunder Bay for the women's uh, um, senior team. So that was that was a big event for us hosting an international event uh, on Canadian soil, which was huge. Um, you know, if you think way back, this was a WBC year. So our, our men's senior team was on the go as well. Um, and, and back full steam, you know, all of our national championships, uh, rolling out a rally cap program nationwide in partnership with the Blue Jays. And so that's kind of back to that, that busy comment. Those are kind of some of the highlights from a national level. We've, we've got a lot of things on the go and, and, um, a lot of really positive stuff for baseball too. And then obviously, you know, the one, the one component that probably gets a lot of discussion and most of the discussion is just around, you know, our sport and safe sport and everything else that's happening with all the other sports and, and what that means for us. And so, um, you know, all good work. Uh, but like I said, there's, there's, you know, there wasn't just a couple, one or two things that were really big projects. We had, we had a few on the go this this year, but, um, it's exciting, exciting stuff. Mm -hmm. Conversely, what do you see as maybe the biggest opportunity or thing you need to address moving forward? I, I think it's, um, you know, that's a that's a great question. And we, we identified a lot of things within our strap plan around continuing to grow the game. And I and I really feel that, you know, with the excitement of how baseball continues to grow internationally, I think that opportunity is there for us. Um, you know, we, we, we're, we're a country that has, you know, um, a growing newcomer population, um, and, you know, a sport that is growing internationally. And so I think it's a good combo that, that you know, that'll really drive a lot of interest in the sport of baseball, uh, looking to always, you know, increase membership numbers and keep our numbers up. Um, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing for us is, you know, over, you know, for many years we've, we've kind of introduce baseball to the same groups or the same communities. And I think what we're finding is as demographics change and, 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 and more people come in who have never played baseball, there's a, a really good opportunity to introduce the sport and uh, see if we can't uh, convince them to play some baseball.
looking forward to it talking about that a little bit later on as well let's get into uh the strap plan but back in the beginning take us back to that uh you know the original talk of okay let's think about this next five-year cycle and what it all is going to pertain to did you have an idea as to where you wanted this thing to go or did you go in with a completely empty slate and and let the conversations guide where this thing was going to go you know what it was interesting i've i've done uh, probably a dozen of these for varying organizations that I've worked for over the last 20 years. And I think the biggest challenge was, you know, again, coming out of COVID, which hit kind of in the middle of our last strategic plan. So you're coming out of that, uh, knowing that the plan you're working on, there's things that, you, you know, you were just behind on because you had essentially a two-year freeze on, on some baseball activities uh, things that COVID changed forever that you weren't going to do and, and trying to figure out, okay, what can we carry forward into the next plan? Uh, along with, you know, how does, how does this affect our sport and where are we going to go? And now the good part is, you know, we, we are, um, you know, there are some staples within our sport, right? We know that we're going to deliver baseball and coaching is a big part of that. Getting players active is a big part of that officials, you know, recruiting all the volunteers, all those, all those other elements. So those, those still remain true that we need all those facets of it. Um, but it's, you know, kind of got us to look at, okay, how do we deliver baseball differently, right? If we really, really want to grow the game, uh, we know that like field capacity is going to be an issue. If we really drive our membership, what are some ways that we can introduce the sport, you know, at an introductory level that does, doesn't require a full-size baseball field and how can we, you know, leverage schools, how can we leverage court space, smaller space. And I think that went into some of the grassroots programming that we look at with like a baseball five or rally cap, you can run these programs and you don't need a, a full-size baseball field and, you know, you can play it in just about anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you're looking at some of those pieces. I think you, you know, there's a large consideration into just delivery of information or education and how we used to feel like, okay, we got to do this in person. Right. And now it's no, we don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And we, you know, what can we do virtually? How can we be more efficient by doing it virtually? How can you mean, you know, maintain the integrity of what you're trying to teach is the challenge. I mean, you, you know, um, I know you're at, the, you know, you talked about being at the university. That was, you know, probably a, a huge challenge for universities at that time of trying to delivering education. So we faced a little bit of the same. And, and how do we let, you know, how do we take the positive out of COVID and, and shape it to our benefit to go forward to say, you know, to get our to help us get our message out to the masses, but still be effective in, in educating and delivering information interesting you bring up the infrastructure piece because it's something that I didn't even think about when we were reading through the report but living in a community myself that it, it's Airdrie it's one of the fastest growing communities in Alberta mm -hmm. we struggle with space for recreation whether it's be baseball or basketball or any other sport how do you convince those grassroots uh, communities to get on board and provide the space, not just, as you mentioned, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a baseball field, but even getting a few more fields because here in Alberta, whether it's Sherwood Park or Lloyd Minster or others, Fort McMurray, they're all talking about how baseball's booming and yet they might not have, whether it's the, the physical infrastructure or even the infrastructure in terms of coaches or umpires or those kinds yeah. of things. So how do you get everybody on the same page and also get some buy-in from, you know, municipal partners as an example? Well, I was just going to say that, you know, we have a lot of discussions with municipal partners and municipalities because they're they're facing the same challenge of, OK, we have a limited budget, we have limited space, but we have a lot of demand. Like, how do we, 
you know, how do we create spaces that can be used for, for multi-purpose, you know, events? I mean, everybody would like to have a full-size baseball field, a full-size soccer field. We'd all love to have like a, a fourplex arena or what, you know, like that's, that is, you know, that's on everybody's wish list. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, it's about working with municipalities, local partners to figure out, okay, how can we be creative in, in, in creating some of these spaces, you know, and like I said, with the programming for us, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a baseball field. A couple of our grassroots program can be in any open field. It can be on a soccer field. It can be in an indoor school, uh, in a gym. It can be, can be in the rink in the summertime when the ice is not in, right? And so we've created a couple of ways at the introductory level because that's really when you think about it, that's where you're you're going to get your mass numbers at the lower lower uh -huh. level. Um, we are we are cognizant though of understanding that the appeal to baseball is putting on the glove and getting out in the grass and you know and being outdoors and all those positive things. But it's it's definitely a challenge for us, and we work with you know municipalities. You know, there's there's private partners that are still building facilities and, and, and some of the infrastructure that we can use as well or rent from them from time to time. Um, but, you know, that capacity issue is definitely a challenge. You know, we think about it as an NSO, but I know, you know, municipalities, it's, it's a much a bigger concern for them. And, and, you know, any opportunity for us to get in there and kind of pitch that uh, if you've got an open spot and what are you thinking about doing with it? Um, we're always in there from a baseball perspective, because uh, I think we, we, we definitely need to see more baseball fields, uh, the game is, con you know, continuing to grow and, and um, you know, we, we need those fields for sure. You touched on it a little bit earlier on. I wanted to get into the the EDIA piece in particular. And, and we talk about getting more diverse voices out there. And I'll say getting out of our own comfort zones a little bit in, in attracting, whether it's players, whether it's officials, whether it's coaches to play the game. You mentioned the fact that uh, Canada is growing and has a lot more of a diverse background behind it, new communities popping up all over the place. How much of the effort in the growth piece is going to be based on reaching out to communities that maybe weren't reached out to before. It's huge for us. I mean, I mean, if you've, if you've had the chance to look through our strap plan, you, you'll see sprinkled throughout, you know, the, you know, the EDIA component around uh, equity, diversity, inclusion, accessibility. And, and again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but like some of these, like a baseball five program, uh, is exactly, you know, a program that we're looking at to go into areas of, you know, Indigenous communities, if there's an opportunity to get into some lower economic places, newcomer, you know, pockets, multicultural centers, um, you know, YMCAs, boys and girls clubs, like non-traditional spots where you might try to introduce baseball. Um, you know, those are spaces that we haven't been in before. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to really go after and introduce, you know, who we like some, some, some new people to baseball. And so I think, you know, we really targeted that way. When you look at our structure, we've never been into the territories. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think that's another way that we're looking at, okay, how do we, how do we continue to go further North uh, and, and really try to get some, some, you know, introduce the game and get more people on board. So it's, it's a big component for us. I mean, Sport is sport, and, and I know some may look at it as it's, you know, it's leisure or recreation or something to do on the side, but it really does mirror oftentimes, you know, what what business is doing. I mean, because yeah. it, it is, you know, if you ask our group, this is a business. We're running a business, and it's a business of sport that, you know, similar to businesses are looking at, where do I find employees? How do I find new customers? I mean, there is a, there is a strong, um, you know, a strong effort to really look at, uh, newcomer population, 
Uh, for us, we may not be looking for workforce, but we're volunteer driven. So it's the same it's the same idea, right? And so while while businesses are bringing in uh, employees from you know through immigration, we're looking to try to find volunteers and and athletes, coaches, and all those others through immigration as well. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in success breeding success, and we here in Alberta are talking about how uh, kids now believe that there's a, a realistic possibility of playing more meaningful baseball down the line, whether it's at a high level college or, or pro level, that kind of thing. How much of the growth piece is going to be about singing the successes a little louder and trying to get the stories out there a little bit more and, and really highlighting um, some of the great things that are happening in this country. Yeah. You know, I always say you need to see it to be it. And I think, you know, from, from the hockey side, just because there's a greater number of players in the NHL and, and we've got more teams that are based in the country, kids can kind of see somebody that's come from their hometown or maybe the next town over, or that's somebody's cousin or they know, you know, like there's a mm-hmm. connection that's made. And I think, you know, for us, we're starting to have more and more baseball players that are heading South, but, but also, you know, still returning home as we do as Canadians to, to, to be part of, of, you know, the next round of development. So I think that's a huge piece. We've got a lot of good Canadian content, that um you know are helping back and giving back to the game and i and i really think that's going to be important for us you know some of our some of our alumni um you know are really starting to make some strides and and you know larry walker and justin morneau and and uh you know the joey vados and the matt stairs and all these others that are really starting to you know kick back and help with their community you know i think i think that's very helpful and and you know we we need to continue to push that you know, on the female side of our game, like it was a huge opportunity. Uh, Ashley Stevenson, who was a, the head coach for us last year and um, had the opportunity to, sorry, two years ago, had the opportunity to go and coach with the Jays this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a story for us that we've really tried to share and 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 show, you know, show our female athletes that, that you know, there is an avenue through baseball, that, that there's an opportunity. And if you believe and you work hard and you know, you'll get that chance to get in and get in and, and prove, prove your worth. So, you know, I think those types of stories are good. Uh, women's baseball in the Canada games in 2025, mm-hmm. right? Probably a lot of people don't really know that uh, either they figured it was always there or didn't know that women's baseball exists. I still get that. Um, but it's a chance to get on a stage and show that, you know what, it's, it's uh, we, we play baseball as well. It's not just softball and then no disrespect to softball, but I say women's mm-hmm. baseball, people say, oh, you mean softball? And I'm like, no, women's baseball. So that, that lets us know that our messaging still needs to be uh, more frequent and, and louder to, to let people know uh, what we do and who we are. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I look at the the women's national team, the men's national team, and when you look at the strategic plan, there's a, an emphasis on growing that aspect of things and making sure that you're you're not just showing off the the successes of both programs, but also growing on the success that they've had. What's next in your eyes to maybe take it to that next level to make sure that you're not just succeeding but exceeding expectations? Yeah, I, you know, it, it's an our game is an it's an interesting game for us because we get measured as we go through the strategic plan. You're trying to figure out how, you know, what 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 does success look like? And there's components of, um, you know, specific to national teams. Components of okay, how many, you know, how are we doing at national international events? I mean, that's always kind of one of the benchmarks. Um, but when you're attached to a professional sport, you do have to look at okay, how many players are we getting to college? 
how many players are we getting into the draft? How many players are in the minor leagues? How many players are getting to the big leagues? Cause that is a measure of success as well. And um, you know, and it's, and it's interesting because we have a little bit of that challenge of our belief in Canada around long-term athlete development doesn't necessarily fit with creating a under 12 international team and competing. Mm-hmm. And but we're measured right by having a U12 team. We currently don't have one, and and not participating in those events, uh, you lose points, which means your international standing goes down. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a catch twenty two trying to make sure that we develop long term for athletes, which is what we're really trying to do to give them the best chance to be successful, um, and make sure that we're still achieving at the highest levels on the international stage. I would say it's a huge bonus to be back in the Olympics. I mean, that's obviously very helpful for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as you go through our strategic plan, we are going to explore what a uh, an under-23 team may look like and explore what an under-15 national team looks like. And I think, um, you know, just having some more kids um, into the pathway uh, will kind of help create create that interest. And then, you know, I say it all the time. We talk, we get focused sometimes. We're almost like two levels. Well, the provinces cover the middle part. We we really work on the upper piece, which is our national teams. But then we need that base of grassroots, right? And that's the rally caps, the baseball fives, the good coaching for the coaches. Um, you need that base of athletes. Get everybody playing baseball, and and you know, through the masses, the the you know, the excellence will will kind of rise to the top and, and, uh, but you need a, you need a good solid base and you got to give every opportunity to every player who has an interest in playing the game and who knows, right? Like, Uh I think, I think we all played on teams that, um, you know, by, I wasn't the best player in my team when I was a kid and, uh, you know, it worked out in the end. So, I mean, you never know where, you never know where you're going to get your best players from. Mm-hmm. You talked about the exploration piece and it segues really well into my next train of thought, which is around the national championships. You talk a lot about the uh, elevating, say, the the 16U or the Canada Cup as an example. But there's one exploration piece that I found interesting, given that Alberta has a lot of them, and that's an academy national championship. We've got Vauxhall, we've got Okotoks, we've got AHP, Weber, St. Joe's list seems to go on and on here. What do you think it'll take to make this idea and exploration become a reality you know it's a good question i mean we get asked that one a lot because i think there is an appetite for that academy versus academy type of championship i I know there is there's been a lot of discussion around it um you know for us baseball canada we've always been kind of age class province on province the academy uh definitely brings a different feel to it because you know, while there are, like you, as you mentioned, there's a lot of academies in Alberta, it's not all just Alberta players, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of flow across the country from, from players moving all over the place. So I, I, I think, you know, it is one thing that we definitely need to look at um, to see if there's an opportunity. And, and, and I just think, you know, in the spirit of competition, I think some of those, these academies would love to, to maybe tackle each other and see who is the best. <laughs> and so it's, I think it would make for a really good product and and it would be something I would be interested in for sure as Baseball Canada. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting as well to see how they not only stack up against one another, but maybe help 
augment maybe the efforts that are being undertaken, whether it's the the junior national team as an example, or I know there's a lot of in September comes the, the Canadian Future Showcase as an example. You mentioned the Jays earlier on, and, and a lot of people talk about how where the Jays go, the game in Canada goes. So how yep. much of this is threading needles and making sure that everybody's swimming in the same direction kind of thing? Yeah, you know what? It, that's a that's a like that's a really good point. That it, it is a challenge for us. You know, when you go through that strap plan exercise and identifying the challenges, the challenge is is, you know, as the sport grows and the interest grows, you know, so does you know the internal competition. Like from a baseball Canada perspective, and baseball in this country, the more people that are playing, like that's fantastic. But you're right, as far as trying to get everybody kind of going in the same direction or at least thinking the same things, it's tough because you have different, you know, you have competition with academies, you have competition with players going to the States, you have competition with other sports. So, I mean, it's, it's, there is a role there for Baseball Canada to kind of be the, you know, maybe the conductor of all this and kind of guide some, guide some people or at least make sure the opportunities are clean and, and, uh, you know, that the, that our athletes get the best chance to be the best, you know, the best that they can be. Um, it, it is a challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the world of sport is, is definitely, I think if you talk to any, uh, you know, provincial executive director, or you talk to any national sport body CEO, or even at the college level, the, uh, you know, the competition for athletes and the expectation from athletes and the expectation from parents is, is, is getting higher and higher and higher. So it's, um, it, it's creating a few more challenges, but, um, you know, they're, they're good challenges for us. Mm-hmm looking at the strategy as a whole what's the feedback been so far from your provincial partners and associations because it seems as though there's an element of this where you need buy-in from them to really make this thing go so you meet yeah. your targets in 2028 the the good part for for us with the strap plan you know we started this about um you know we had these initial conversations about a year ago and a lot of what we did is was hired an external consultant to come in and really help us with us. And, and that that process started with a lot of engagement from stakeholders, right? Meetings with with the executive directors, meetings with the provincial coaching coordinators, meeting with the high performance coaches in each of the each of the provinces, um, you know, meeting with athletes from across the country. And so we really made sure we had, you know, the voice from from everybody across the country and all the different groups that make baseball Canada go. So it wasn't it wasn't just a small group at the board level kind of putting together a plan and saying, what do you think? It's really built on a lot of things that they have come up with. And so as we gained all that stakeholder feedback, uh, you know, a couple different uh, sessions where we really prioritized what was important to everybody. Um, so there, the the voice from the stakeholder is very clear in the strap plan as I look at it because um, just knowing the conversations that were had and where the different ideas came from and you know it's hard to satisfy every everybody's idea and every every individual may not look at it and say well my idea was ignored um, but you know you've got a lot of you know building consensus and a lot of common threads and themes that you get from the feedback and. And I think, uh, you know, if you're a stakeholder that was part of this process, you can see, you know, you can see your mark on this strap plan. And and you're right, like it only goes if they feel that there's an engagement level and, and they can see the things that are important to them in there. So that that process may have been a little different maybe than we've done in the past. I think maybe we've built some and then kind of then asked about it and then maybe made a few changes. But this one was this one was built from the ground up. 
uh, in, a, in a completely different approach for us and really getting out to stakeholders and, um, you know, really with our own board kind of having the last, uh, the last meeting and, and, and say on what they think they would like. It was really a lot of stakeholder engagement, which was, which was positive. It's, it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. It was definitely taxing and I'm sure, you know, felt like it was taking longer than, than it should have, but, um, you know, if you understand the purpose and stay true to what you want to actually capture, um, which is, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you may not agree with certain things, um, but as you start to see it come forward and get shaped, you realize, you know what, maybe my thinking needed to be changed a little bit. Um, new ideas, things you never thought of, right? Like some of the best ideas come from, you know, the people we never ask. And so we want to make sure we really, we really asked everybody for their input and and what they wanted to see from Baseball Canada. The strap plan has a little bit of everything, I think, in it, whether it be from the on-field product to the coaching to the umpiring to the business side of things. Gaze into your crystal ball a little bit and take us to 2028. You obviously want to achieve everything here, but is there one thing or one aspect of it that you really, really want to achieve or see happen the most? I think we would be uh, most proud at the end of 2028 if you looked at Baseball Canada and you could see a a unified sport across the country that was, you know, was was diverse, was in tune with with community, was, um, you know, you know, the perfectly safe sport, like the things that we're dealing with, um, competitive, still kind, like we are as a country of Canada, but, you know, but fierce on the international level. Um, you know, we see a lot more girls playing baseball than we have now. We see, continue to see a lot of our players still get to the big leagues. Uh, and really just a lot of new, new people introduced to baseball that have continued to play baseball or coach baseball or volunteer, volunteer with our sport. I think we're really trying to grow our membership. And I think that's the one piece that that would make us the happiest is just just an, an embracement of, of baseball and see our membership grow. Fantastic stuff. I got a couple more for you. End this yeah. thing on a, a bit of a fun note. Take us back to 1991. We had Joe Young on the podcast a few weeks <laughs> back. Yeah. And uh, he he was the young buck on that team. You and Stubby Clapp, he yeah. name dropped. Uh, what do you remember about Joe Young, one? And two, what do you remember about that 1991 team? uh, Yeah, it's funny. It's like, that's a long time ago, but it's, it's it's very clear to me. Like, and and I, and I find it funny because it's, you know, it's a lifetime ago for me. I mean, it was my, my pre whatever I'm doing now, like when you actually had a different life as a player and, and that, that tournament was interesting because like where I was in my career at that time. And I talked with John Har later, who was our head coach at the time and found out like I was the last cut on the, or the last pick on the team, mm-hmm. right? You have no idea where you are as a kid. I mean, I looked at that group of of players and I knew I was good. I knew I knew it was from the from the East Coast, but it was no real. You have no real idea of how good you are, where you fit in. And so, for the most part, I was just happy to be on the team, right? And I uh, get to that situation, we get there, and and you know, I remember Joe. Uh, you know, he, he, being the young guy, Mike McKinley was another one. He was a bit of a younger guy on the team from BC, and and uh, you know, I from in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna hopefully get some innings, and I'll kind of fit in wherever I can fit in, and 
do what I can do. And if I get in that bat here, or there, it's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. And it was, it was, uh, you know, a dream to play for your country. Um, and, and you're 18 years old, so you're all pretty young and a little naive to everything. But I, I, I do, it's funny when you talk about Joe, cause he was young, like he was two years younger than us. And you say, well, 16 to 18, is not a big deal, but it is at that age, right? Like he's just, he was just, uh, just a kid, but you know, big guy, good arm, right. He could really throw it. And, and, uh, you know, I remember just watching, you're like, yeah, this guy's, this guy's good. Right. Like, you know, you knew you're, you're pretty good yourself, but you're watching someone you're like, this guy's pretty good for, for being 16. And, and, uh, and then, you know, the, probably the other part I just remember about him was just always, just always kind of loose and easy going. And Joe is just Joe, right. Like it didn't seem like anything really bothered him. And, and, uh, you know, I'm like sweating bullets or like, you know, biting my fingers down and Joe's, Joe was always pretty easy going, but, uh, yeah, it was great times. Like good group of guys. Like I think about all those guys I went on to play college with a couple of them and, and, um, you know, pro ball with some others and kind of, you know, still, still talk to a lot of them now and see some of them now, but, um, you know, again, we, we winning, winning a gold medal that year on home soil, it's it gets better i think every year i'm away from baseball and now with at baseball canada i realized like that that wasn't easy to do it's it's never been repeated mm-hmm. and you realize how hard it actually is to win a gold medal at an international level for for baseball canada so very very proud of that uh moment and and for on a personal level for me it was a tournament i had a big game against the us um and it kind of really was the springboard to get me from there to the next opportunity to the next opportunity. And, and what's crazy, but what's crazy about it. And I tell this to all the kids as I go, like in 1991, I'm the last player on the team. I'm not even sure if I should be there. I'm not even sure what my role is. I'm just happy to be there. And five summers later, I'm in the big leagues mm-hmm. and you just, you just never know, right. You continue to work hard, take every opportunity and, who knows what can happen. Right. And so it's, uh, it was fun, but yeah, I, uh, you know, what? still, uh, keep up with Joe on Facebook and, you know, talk to guys, we talk to guys and, um, yeah, I, it's I miss those guys every day. It was great. It was a great time. And it was a great time for an 18 year old. Very cool. I know you mentioned the fact that you never know where you're going to end up. You ended up back in your home country for a little while in the minor league system as a member of the Edmonton Trappers. Uh, yeah. What do you remember from that time and getting to play uh, play on Canadian soil and be the Canadian on that squad? <laughs> you know what? I I always love coming back to Canada and 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 I love you know love love all the cities, love Edmonton, love you know nothing 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 bad to say that way. I was in a point of my career where I was trying to rehab. And I was not a good player. And I I just, I remember it just seemed like I got shellacked every time I went out and pitched when I was in Edmonton. So, well, I still, I was back there. We were there last fall for our convention and it was on much better terms, but I didn't have a lot of success in Edmonton when, when I was coming back. Talk a little bit about um, just the journey as a whole for you and and not just from a, a playing perspective, but also now being a big part of the, the grassroots growth of the game and some of the highlights, some of the memories, some of the things that really stand out to you as you've gone from, from point to point to point. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was, I visited my high school two days ago. I was asked to come back and speak for, you know, to all the athletes just around, you know, dealing with adversity and the journey and some of those, and some of those. And I, and I, one of the things I talked about, uh, which was a little bit off topic, but I talked about, you know, the, the the part of baseball or sport that I probably love the most is the ability to travel and the people that you get to meet. Right. And and I think 
you know, I can remember places we played and, you know, games we've won and and things like that. But I just, you know, you, you remember all the great people that you meet along the way and the memories that you build. And, and I think that's probably the one thing that, you know, you cherish the most out of is just some of the friendships and some of the really good times uh, because, you know, you're all in it together, whether it's, you know, in the minor leagues and it's a rough go or, or when you get to the big leagues and you're competing to try to win a world series. Right. And so I think, I think that piece is a, a little bit of a separate by itself, but, you know, purely baseball 91 championship that we won. Um, you know, we, we won the Northwest league my first year that I played in 94 with the Boise Hawks when I was with the angels, uh, you know, had a, uh, obviously getting to the big leagues in 1996 with the angels, 97 all-star game, 2003 Olympic qualifier, 2004 Olympics with team Canada, uh, you know, playing, playing for Canada again for the second time. And, um, you know, I, I've just, I, I feel very fortunate, right. For the things that I've been able to, to accomplish and, and the things that we've won along the way. And, and just, you know, you dream of being a, big league baseball player. I did. I, I, you know, my mom jokes that I was kind of every year it was firefighter, astronaut, baseball player. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm sure every kid wrote that down, but to actually do it, um, you know, was, was, was a dream of mine and you're going to big league ballparks, you're playing against guys that you have posters of on your wall. You are, you know, playing in the same spots that Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, you know, it's, it's, you know, each, each road trip was like, uh, like a vacation, right. Mm -hmm. Except this is your day-to-day -day job. And, and, uh, it, you know, it's just amazing. Like I, I, every memory is still, still clear to me of everything that, you know, you play people you've talked to and in, in places you've gone, but, um, just very fortunate, very fortunate, right? Like, I think it's a lot of people have that dream, but to actually live it, I realize, you know, I don't think about it often, but when people ask me the question, I start to talk about it. I, you know, I realize I was, I was pretty lucky. I was pretty mm -hmm. lucky. Got a couple more for you. This one should be fairly short. Thinking about back on the playing career, who's the one guy that made you go, uh-oh, whether it was an opposing pitcher or maybe yeah. a batter that you knew you had to face that day, who's the one guy that made you kind of think twice about this whole career uh, that you were chasing? Easy. Edgar Martinez with the Mariners. I uh, like. I think from a, st uh, like a statistical standpoint, you would look at, I say that and somebody, somebody will look up the numbers and they're like, well, it's a problem. Like, you know, he was, I don't know what he was. I don't think he hit very well. Like average wise, like numbers wise, I don't think it was great. I don't know if he ever missed a ball that I threw. It seemed like he crushed everything and whether it was either at my head and I caught it or it was a line drive at where my, my um, fielders were, but that I, I don't think I, I got him out, but I feel like I never got him out. Right. He was so, so tough on me. He was, he was tough. And then of course, you know, the other guy that gave, I think gave everybody fits and, you know, he got me obviously on my first pitch. Derek Jeter was never, uh, was never an easy one to go after as well. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, Edgar, Edgar Martinez, hands down, everybody asked me that it was him. Like it wasn't, it wasn't McGuire. It wasn't Bonds. You know, I, I did say Jeter, but he really, it wasn't Jeter, it wasn't A-Rod, it wasn't, you know, like it wasn't those guys. But Edgar Martinez, I felt like I had no solution for. He was, he owned me. That guy was tough. Very cool. And of course, an Alberta uh, connection there as a former Calgary Cannon for a few years there in the mid to late 80s. Yeah. Jason, uh, final question for you. It's one we ask everyone. What does the game yep. of baseball mean to you? 
for me, like, I'm sure everybody says it's their life, but like, literally, I think it's been my life, right? Like from playing all the way through to the junior team, to working, you know, to, to playing pro for all those years, to the Olympic team, to coming back to working for baseball in New Brunswick, a little bit of a, you know, switch to sport New Brunswick, but still dealing with baseball to coaching the junior national team to being a volunteer for many, many years on the board for baseball Canada to now becoming the CEO. Like I don't, I, I, I can't imagine a, a part of my life that uh, doesn't have baseball in it. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate the time, Jason, as always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and uh, all the best in 2024 and beyond. Thanks. You too. Take care. Thanks again to Jason Dixon for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review as those actions help spread the word about ADS. And make sure to subscribe as we have new episodes dropping every Thursday. As always, a massive tip of the cap to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been incredible partners with their generosity, which helps us tell the game stories in our province. For more on our teammates and sponsorship program, head to albertadugoutstories.com slash supporters. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.